Hi there, and welcome to episode 50 of the Value Through Vulnerability podcast, a podcast that was set up really as an experiment back in May 2018. We've reached this mini milestone of episode 50, and what a way to celebrate uh, with Mr. Gary Ridge, CEO of the WD40 company, and to be honest, one of my modern day heroes. Uh, so many great takeaways in this short 20 minute uh, podcast. I'll keep quiet because I'll allow it, just, just enjoy it, just really, really enjoy just how much wisdom uh, and insight is given away here by Gary. I really appreciate his time and we would both love to hear from you as to what you took away and what actionable insights are you going to try and uh, implement in your own life or in the organizations that you serve. Look forward to hearing from you and uh, do let us know what you think. Hi there, and welcome to the next episode of the Value Through Vulnerability podcast, the human-centered podcast from the listening organization. And today, I am more than excited to have someone called Mr. Gary Ridge on the other side of the world with me. Hello there, Gary. Hey, g'day, Gary. How are you? I am very, very well. And um, I think you're a man that needs no introduction, but I'll just do a very brief one, which is I am very grateful to have Gary with me as uh, probably one of the best servant leaders that I've come across in the last number of years as I've woken up in this space and he's CEO of the WD40 company. So Gary, is there anything else you'd like to expand on as a, uh, to my listeners as to sort of who you are, maybe what you're passionate about maybe in a bit more detail? Oh yeah, well I know what I'm passionate about. I'm, I'm really passionate about creating a place where people go to work every day, they make a contribution to something bigger than themselves, they learn something new, they feel safe and they go home happy. And the reason I'm passionate about it is that you know, I think it's a sin that 65% of people go to work every day and they hate their jobs. And um, that's the fault of leadership because we create that toxic culture. So uh, that's why I'm delighted to be uh, here with you today to share some of the learnings that we've had over time as we've built this wonderful culture at WD40 Company, which is not about me. It's about the, the wonderful tribe members who, who come here and play every day. Oh, you mentioned that it's been a journey. So you've been with WD40 now just over 30 years, Gary, I believe. This is my 32nd year. Um, so uh, it's been, it seems like just yesterday. <laughs> what has shifted for you? I tell you, before we get into a bit more of the nuts and bolts of your journey, if you went sort of when you came in as CEO or maybe the other roles you had within WD40 compared to where you are now, what are some of those key pivot points, do you think, between where you were and where you are now with the WD40 tribe? Well, I, I, I know one that's very, very, you know, dominant in my thinking. Um, I joined in 87 down in Australia to open our subsidiary there. I worked from 87 to 94 in Australia. In 94, I moved to the US. And in 97, I got to be, um, be uh, given the opportunity to um, lead this tribe. And there are a few things that became very clear to me at that time. Um, the first one was that micromanagement wasn't scalable. And at that time, um, about 90% of our business was in the United States. And uh, we believed that we could take our blue and yellow can with a little red top to the world. And we weren't going to do that by being micromanagement. So we had to create a culture that set people free, but also gave them guardrails to keep them safe. So that pivot was a big pivot in my mind. I went back to school 
and I, uh, I really needed to get an understanding of, of what this servant leadership thing was, um, because I believe that um, if we weren't going to be able to micromanage, freedom was very important, and servant leadership to me sounded like freedom. So I, um, I went back to school, I went to the University of San Diego, I started my master's degree there in leadership, and that's where I met my now dear friend, Ken Blanchard. And Ken has definitely been a huge influence on my thinking over time. He is probably the servant leader master of the world. And, uh, and Ken and I, as you probably know, later on wrote a book together called Helping People Win at Work. But it was you know, that learning that was very, very, very important. And, and what it did do was give me confidence to be able to try this thing called servant leadership. It's, it's really fascinating for me, Gary. What was it for you back then, you know, that realisation for you that micromanagement wasn't scalable? Was that just from sort of just experience? Or was, it, you know, was there a lack of expansion? Was there just like people's thinking? What was going on for you at that point? Well, we needed to grow outside of the United States. And, you know, we were primarily a US-based company. And um, I was consciously incompetent like I am now. And I wasn't able to do this on my own. So if I couldn't gather people around me that were you know much better than I was able to to be then there was no way and you know I didn't speak German or Chinese or French or Italian and you know how are we going to build this infrastructure to be able to do that so it was really an understanding that you know we had to create a culture that empowered people. Uh, that's that, that really speaks to this podcast Gary because you know as you know it's called value through vulnerability and I think for you even back then to have suddenly gone hang on I can't do this on my own. I think that's part of the challenge, isn't it, for leadership even today, is to be able to say, I don't have all the answers. Well, I think, Gary, you've heard me say, um, and I've written about this a lot, the three most powerful words I've ever learned in my life, I don't know. And getting comfortable with that. And, you know, we've talked about um, vulnerability a little bit in the past, and I know you asked me, you know, what, what, what is vulnerability? And, and I, I know what it doesn't mean. Vulnerability doesn't mean weakness. It's getting comfortable with I don't know. And people have this fear, negative fear, of um, people not really believing that they, they are competent or, or, or believing that they are inadequate because they, they show their vulnerability. And vulnerability really is I don't know. And, um, and that's driven by ego. And if you think about ego... You know, it's it's self. If you say someone is has a is full of ego, they're full of self. So, you know, we've got to get ego out. We've got to get vulnerability in, and we've got to remove the fear that is within people. That vulnerability means that someone is accusing them of being inadequate or not able to to to, to deliver, which is completely I found out completely wrong. Yeah, it resonates so, so much for me. And I, th I think, you know, if I look at my experience, I mentioned to you before we came on, Gary, that, you know, it took me to the age of 39 to suddenly go, actually, it's okay to talk about emotion, A, yeah. but also the workplace. You know, it's really as recent as that for me. <laughs> yeah, and, and it is. You know, we, at the end of the day, we're just, you know, simple human beings bumbling our way down the path of life, bumping into stuff. And we we try to, you know really camouflage issues with confusion to make out how smart we are. And, you know, as Simon Sinek and I have talked about a lot, you know, building culture is simple, 
not easy and time is not your friend. And if you adopt some simple, simple practices like, you know, we talk about care, candor, accountability and responsibility. You know, if you care for people, care is about number one, having a servant leadership uh, philosophy, which means that you are going to both serve and be a leader. Servant leadership, you know, doesn't mean the prisoners are running the prison. Servant leadership is serve and lead. And the leadership part of that is you've got to ensure that you have, you know, a robust business plan, that you're, that you're sensible about the way you allocate time, talent, treasure and technology because you have to build an economic engine to enable you to serve your people. So, you know, servant leadership around care is very important. And candor is pretty simple. No lying, no faking, no hiding. Most people don't lie. A lot of people fake and hide. Why? Because they're afraid. You know, our, our dear friend Tracy Fenton talks about what would you do if you weren't afraid? Well, what, what people do do when they're afraid is they, they lie and they fake. They lie and they fake to themselves and they lie and they fake to their people. The next one is our accountability. What do you expect of me and what may I expect from you? And is there clarity around that? Do we have a clear understanding? And are we brave enough to be able to talk about that together? Not because we want to in any way, you know, not be supportive of each other, because we want to support each other. And then finally is responsibility. You know, we'll, are we going to do what we say we were going to do? We're going to build trust by being, you know, someone who does what they say they're going to do. So, you know, there's four simple pillars that you can use to build a culture that creates an environment where people actually like to go to work every day. It's lovely. I'm really intrigued because anyone listening to us now, maybe that there's organizations I know quite close to me, Gary, that I think they're starting on this journey. You know, they're starting to wake up to actually, wow, we can get even better performance if we start with our people rather than just the metric at the end. What would you, what would you say to someone that might be listening to us now talk? Okay, it's nice for other people, but I don't think it's for me. Is there any case of servant leadership that's been a negative in your experience today? Um, I think the negative of servant leadership is where you get out of balance between being tough-minded and tender-hearted. You know, when people think that servant leadership is 100% being tender-hearted, that's wrong. Um, it's like when we bring up our kids. We love our kids, but, you know, sometimes we've got to be a little tough. So the, the genius is getting a balance between being tough-minded and tender-hearted. And I think a lot of people, when they hear the word servant leadership, they think of soft and mushy and, you know, no, no results and it's all about kumbaya and hugging and stuff. No, it's about creating an environment where you create an enormously successful economic outcome that supports the business structure so you can support the, as we call them, the tribe. Now, 20 some years ago, I didn't know this was gonna work, but I can tell you today, it worked. We've gone from a, a, an employee engagement number that, it, that was as ugly as most people's are today to an employee engagement number of 93%, which is you know, world-class. 99% of our tribe members globally say they love to tell people they work at WD-40 company. Oh, and by the way, we're a public company, so we are judged by our investors. Over that period of time, we've had a compounded annual growth rate of total shareholder return in excess of 10%. And in the last 10 years, it's been 20%. And in the last five years, it's been 27%. So, 
I have a, an absolute case to say that if you build employee engagement through a servant leadership culture, you will produce a result much better than those that don't do that. Yes, it gets these little hairs on end, Gary, not that I've got many of them left. Um, because, you know, my, we spoke before when I've been over with you and uh, Tracy in the past. Um, I think the thing that blows me away, I need people to hear what you just said. As a publicly traded company, you can make these results. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think because so, so often with the short term of the markets, you know, everything's the next quarter. How do you manage those relationships with your investors and how do you sort of make sure that you keep your investors in? Because ultimately you're bucking, you're bucking the trend of the market, aren't you, in essence? Well, you know, one of the things we talked about too is, is what's inspiring me most right now. And I'll tell you what's inspiring me most is that finally the market is starting to talk about purpose-driven organizations. You know, BlackRock probably owns more company stock than any investment house in the world. Their CEO, Larry Fink, has been writing now for two years about we are looking at companies that have a, a purpose-driven uh, culture. So suddenly they're starting to talk about it. But I jokingly talk about two people when I do some public speaking. They are um, Al, the soul-sucking CEO, and Sam, his cousin, and that's short-sighted Sam. So when you and short-sighted Sam actually works in Wall Street, and Al is the CEO who sucks up the short-sighted Sam all the time. So if you have Al, the soul-sucking CEO, and short-sighted Sam, you're never going to build an organisation that has high employee engagement. I know it's a new one on me, um, Gary. The uh, the soul sucking. I love the Sam. I love I love the cohort Sam. Brilliant. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> if you were looking at your people, um, you know, I love the engagement scores. Like I said, I've seen you firsthand the stuff you're doing, which is which is incredible. If someone is falling out of sort of congruence with themselves, you know, they know the culture, they know the tribe, but maybe they're thinking actually, you know, saying maybe I need time for a new tribe. What? How, how, how does that manage internally? What, what sort of opportunities are there for people to sort of shift teams, to shift different parts of the business, or even if it's just their time to move on? How, how does the tribe manage that out of interest? Well, our number one goal is we want people to be happy in life. And, you know, hopefully they can be happy here. But, you know, nothing gives us more joy than to see someone either move up in the organisation or if they have to move out of the organization to do to make a bigger difference somewhere else. You know, we've got a wonderful example or a number of wonderful examples about how people have moved through the organization. One that was just recent was uh, uh, Grace, who was just uh, appointed uh, the general manager of our China operation. Now, Grace was our first employee in China 15 years ago. She joined as an administrative assistant. And in that time, She's worked through a number of roles in the company. We helped her. She went into human resources. She then went into supply chain management. We sponsored her to do a master's degree in supply chain at the University of Shanghai. She moved from that to sales. And now, 15 years later, she is the general manager of our fastest growing subsidiary in the world. Now, there are a number of stories I can tell you like that, but it also means that it, it plays into what we're about is we want it to develop our people. We're, we're a learning organization. The number one responsibility of a tribal leader is to be a learner and a teacher. 
that's what our job is. So if you look at our tribe and you look at the model we use around tribal leadership, the number one thing that's on the top of the list is we are committed as leaders to be learners and teachers. Just beautiful, just absolutely beautiful. I love this. It always gets me when I talk to you, Gary, to the point that I've shared it with people when I've come back from your San Diego site before that it's, it's quite moving. It's a very moving facility that you have in San Diego because the way it's designed and how intentional it is around your people. How important for you is it a curiosity out of interest in terms of a human trait to help you evolve, both them evolve as individuals, but also for you as a wider organization? You know, it's, thanks for that question, Gary. I just finished, actually, when I was on holiday this year in Fiji, I, I just finished reading a book. Um, do you remember Spencer Johnson who wrote Who Moved My Cheese? <laughs> there was a follow-on to that. Spencer passed away and his children um, wrote a book called The Way Out of the, Out of the Maze. And they, they talk about notice your beliefs. And they say a belief is a thought that, that you trust to be true. So I, I believe that curiosity is about questioning yourself, why do I believe this to be true? Because sometimes facts are just how you see things. So our curiosity, particularly in the way that business continues to change today, our curiosity has to be on high alert because business is changing. And um, I think with that, you have to be brave. Um, and brave to me is, consider carefully and act boldly. So I think it's curiosity, which is why do I believe what I believe? And then consider carefully and act boldly. I love it. And, and sort of following on from that, Gary, you know, for you personally, you know, where do you get the most joy for you as CEO? You know, where do you get your, where's the most learning for you personally? Because I can imagine you continue to grow every day within the role that you do as well. Well, you asked two questions there. The first one is where do I get the most joy? From my people. Um, coming to work and, and just getting to play with these brilliant tribe members every day is something that I am so grateful for. People often say, you're busy, Gary. I say, I'm not busy. I'm rejoicing in an abundance of worthwhile work. And that's how I see the work we do every day. So th the joy comes from there. What was the second half of the question? Yeah. So in terms of how do you get your growth as well? So what, what, you know, um, how do you feel your own growth? And you know, maybe give us an example of what you've learned, some, some, something new, some new insight you've gained in the last... Well, year. there's a number of areas. You know, one of the ways I get a lot of learning is I teach. You know, I teach at the University of San Diego. I teach at the University of Pennsylvania. I teach at San Diego State University. And there's nothing like being in a room full of very inquisitive learners. You learn a lot from them. Uh, and then just being aware. Um, I mean, you know, picking on, there's so many new things we can learn from today. Look at the digital landscape and e-commerce. And, you know, you, I think learning is a choice. You, you, you either choose to be open to it or you adopt the fact that you know it all. And remember, the most powerful words I've ever learned in my life are, I don't know. And every day I get up and say, I'm consciously incompetent. When did you first realize, when was that first moment for you when you suddenly went, actually, it's okay to not know? Was that a certain point in your life, Gary, out of interest? I think it was, I got very comfortable with it when, back in 1997, when I got to leave the company, when it was very clear to me that I didn't know. And I thought, okay, so am I going to be ignorant to this not knowing, or am I just going to admit it? And interestingly enough, when I admitted it, all the, the, the knowledge surrounded me, and that is very powerful. That's amazing. As, as we look to wrap up, Gary, 
would you mind sharing, is there anything in particular you'd like to leave my listeners with? Is there a particular sort of reflection of yours, of your journey to date, or maybe just a bit of advice for you that you could give to my listeners, very, bearing in mind the context of the podcast around it being very, very human centered? Well, I think we as leaders have the opportunity a bit more than ever before to change the world because we get up every day and create environments where we can either have people go home happy or not go home happy. And, you know, a happy person creates a happy family. A happy family creates a happy community. A happy community creates a happy world. And more than ever, we need a happy world. And do you see that as every single one of our responsibility, Gary, as well as outside of leadership? Absolutely. You know, life's a gift. Don't send it back unwrapped. Beautiful. Love that. Well, look, you've been an absolute joy, Gary, as always. Where can people sort of contact you if they, if they want to follow up or just follow a bit more of your work? Um, I have a website, www.thelearningmoment.net. Um, I also publish on LinkedIn. So if anybody wants to follow me on LinkedIn, um, they can find me on LinkedIn. Um, so they're probably the, the two best places. Fantastic. Gary, again, thank you so much for sparing the time. Yeah, pleasure. All the best for now. Take care. Cheers. Hi there, just Gary Turner, your host, wrapping up this, I can only call it humbling and sensational podcast with Gary Ridge. Um, I've seen, met him a couple of times now, really follow his work with interest and just his congruence, his consistent, his genuine love and care for his people is just really, really inspiring for me personally. A few of the key points I'd like to wrap up with are micromanagement was not scalable. This was back in, uh, well, however many years ago, many years ago when WD-40 was 90% focused on the US market. Isn't it fascinating that today in 2019, whether organizations would like to admit it or not, so many are still trying to operate with micromanagement, whether it's passive aggressive or covert. The reality is with that one in three people being fully engaged, as according to Gallup, it shows you that micromanagement is still very much um, rife within our, our cultures. And I really love the way that Gary also spoke about creating a culture that sets people free but also gives them the guardrails to keep them safe. I think that's a really, really important message there. I remember speaking uh, with David Marquet back in episode seven of this Value Through Vulnerability podcast. And one of the really interesting points he made, which really stuck with me all that time ago, was that structure creates freedom. And a very similar message to what Gary's giving here. We're not looking for chaos. We're not looking for anarchy. People will play up to the edges. People will give their all. If they feel part of something, they believe in it and they feel safe to make a difference bigger than themselves. I truly, truly believe that. I really love Gary's messaging here. I also thought Gary was really interesting and, and very direct in a good way around that, that one of the challenges of servant leadership is getting the balance between being tough-minded and tender-hearted. Servant leadership is not a walkover. It is not a soft approach to leadership. And I guess we could put servant leadership, it runs the risk of sounding like a soft skill Um, And there's a lot of conversation around language at the moment um, in the world of work. And I think this fits within that. But Gary, with all of his evidence of the performance benefits of uh, leading with love and with heart, those benefits being 10% year on year growth um, over 10 years, 20 and 20% uh, over the last five years, even up to 27% over the last three years. You know, these guys are absolutely flying. They are making good money on the back of being intentionally human centered Uh, in their approach and truly treating their people 
uh, as the most important people in their organization. How many people have got in their annual statement, people are our greatest asset, but don't actually truly follow through on that. And the final reflection I'd like to leave you with is notice your beliefs. A belief is a thought that you believe to be true. So curiosity for Gary, and I truly believe this, is all about questioning why. That, that word why, why, why. Why do I believe this to be true? Get present, allow yourself to ask the question why, bounce it off somebody else, and let's truly question more of what's going on around us. Now, hardly anything around us is true. Um, so we have to be brave and carefully cons consider and act boldly. So having that courage, you know, have the courage to step in to your vulnerability, have the courage not to know the answers. And just a final comment, Gary said three of the strongest words, the most powerful words he learned were, I don't know. How comfortable are you, the listener, with I don't know? It took me many, many years to get comfortable with that, but I truly believe I am now, most of the time. So I'd really be interested to hear from you. Please offer your feedback to me directly, offer your feedback to Gary directly. You know, I believe the messaging within this short 20 minutes podcast is, you know, everybody needs to hear it. So if you're, if you're kind enough to share it, please share it with your networks, please share it on social media. And of course, any reviews on the iTunes podcast app are also appreciated as well. So this was episode number 50. I thank Gary Ridge for joining me. And if you'd like there to be another 50 episodes, I'd love to know who you'd like to hear from. You know, is the human centered theme, is it a value to you? Does it work? Does it not work? Any and all feedback is welcome. And I wish one and all a wonderful day or evening or morning, depending on wherever you are in the world. Thanks very much for joining us.